Um, so my family likes to travel, and when we do, we uh, we enjoy picking up souvenirs. If you've ever been to our house around Christmas, our Christmas tree is decorated almost entirely with Christmas ornaments we've decorated, uh, we've we've uh, collected while we were vacationing all around the the uh, country, and we've had uh, good fortune to be able to travel uh, around the world a little bit and see some other places. Um, but one of the things we were we were in uh, we were in Europe several years ago. And uh, my, the, now I'm not going to call any names because I don't want to get in trouble. I'll just say the women in my family uh, like to collect really heavy souvenirs. Now, if they were telling us, they might have a little bit spin on it, but they're not. I am, so I get to tell it the way I want to. But they like to get it by heavy souvenirs. One, one time in uh, Europe, my daughter, whose name I won't call, um, I only have one. <laughs> She, uh, she bought a board game that I had to carry home in the backpack. And when I say board game, I'm talking like it was made out of boards, right? It was like an antique board game. Uh, but we were, at a, we were in uh, Florence one time, and, and uh, uh, my, the, the two women in my family wanted to buy purses, uh, and it, like leather purses from a street vendor. And they were really nice and a great price. But leather, we were traveling with backpacks and leathers. Heavy. Well, like one purse is not, but like 12, 14, like purses for all the friends and every living relative. It starts to add up. And I'm thinking, there's a scarf vendor right here. We, you know, scarves would be really nice. But we bought purses. And uh, so I carried uh, those in my backpack. And, uh, and I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we bought purses because they didn't have bricks for sale. If they did, that's, that's probably what we would have chosen. But we, uh, so we, uh, I, I was, making a transaction one time while we were buying purses from this Florence street vendor, uh, Italian guy, and, and I, was, I was doing the final payment and everything, and I might have muttered something under my breath like, if mommy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. I might have said that, but he heard me, and he thought that was the greatest thing he had ever heard in his life. He's like, well, what, what did you say? What did you say? And I, so I repeated it. I, I knew enough Italian to say hello. He knew he knew enough English for us to do the transaction, but he caught what I said, and he thought that was a great, great thing that he needed to know how to say. So, so he wanted me to teach it to him. So we spent about the next 10 minutes working on this, and I was getting like, if ain't no mama happy, no, 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 it's not. If, if, there, if mama ain't no happy, it's like, no, 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 no. You got, you got to say, you know, he thinks you, got, you just got to say him right, you know? And uh, it, it was not coming out. If nobody's mama ain't happy, we, we tried every possible way. So finally, I wrote it down on a piece of paper. So I guess so he could take it home and get in trouble too. So I, I, don't, know, I don't know exactly why he wanted it, but he was fascinated with it. But we have these sayings in our in the language. We don't uh, like dozens, hundreds of them. It's just little things. Nobody taught them to us. We just, we just know. They just kind of get passed down verbally. Uh, so let, I'm going to do a uh, test with you. Uh, somebody got a? Can somebody time this for a second? Somebody go watch you time this. I'm curious to see whether the first service or the second service does this faster. But I've got a bunch of sayings or idioms that are common, and I started with like 150 of them, and I and I uh, sorted them down to a little less than 50 here. But I'm going to go through them real quickly, and I'm going to say the first part of it, and you can say the second part of it. Things like an apple a day. Okay, good. So do it loud so I can hear you move quickly to the next one. So uh, we're ready? Somebody got a timer? Probably about 15 of you do, but um, 
Okay, so when I say go, we'll go. Okay, uh, go. Beauty is in the eye. Beggars can't be. Blood is thicker. Don't bite off more. Don't miss the forest. Don't throw out the baby. Fool me once, shame on you. I'll cross that bridge. If it ain't broke, if the shoe fits, never put off until tomorrow. Out of sight. Practice makes practice what you. The grass is greener. The squeaky wheel. Two heads are two wrongs. What goes around, where there's a will, where there's smoke. You can't judge a book. Actions speak louder. If you can't beat them, when the going gets tough, or the tough go shopping. Rome wasn't built when in Rome, do Better late. Okay, animals for 400. A bird in hand. Birds of a feather. Two birds. Uh, I'm sorry, the early word, uh, the early bird. <laughs> the early word. Uh, don't count your chickens. Don't put all your eggs. Don't put the cart. You can lead a horse. Yes, you, can, you can't teach an old. Uh, while the cat's away. Now, violent animal sayings, uh, curiosity, there's more than one way. Uh, Tell us how violent these are. Uh, don't kill the goose. Yes, and then things guys like to say, no pain, no guts. And lastly, uh, an empty kettle. I was just kidding, I made that up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was there's probably some da dads are really good at making up stuff in the moment. So I, there's some dads out there. I think I think we're trying to. How did we do? Yeah. Two minutes. Okay, that's good. I'll, I'll check the second service. If if y'all are faster than them, they have to buy your lunch. Because because you won't be here, so <laughs> you'll never know. You have to come back to the second service to uh, to find out. So these things, you know, obviously they don't necessarily translate well, but they're really common to us. Uh, if you want to go find a bunch of them now, you can Google it. You can get a lot more than what I just did. If you wanted to go find uh, these idioms or little wise sayings, they're, they're just, uh, like I said, you don't find them in a book. They're just handed. Like, where did you learn those? Why does everybody know them, but you don't really remember where or when you learned them? They're just kind of like passed down through the generations. Uh, if you want to find them now, you go to Google. If you wanted to find them years ago, many years ago, somebody had to write them down. And a guy did that. Uh, his name was Solomon. And he uh, wrote down uh, the kind of the conventional wisdom and a bunch of sayings of his time. Uh, some of those uh, he may have written, written himself. I always, I always kind of used to think of it as like he just decided one day I'll sit down and write down every, I'll just make up a bunch of wise sayings. But I think it was rather there were already sayings and he, he decided to compile them in a book. And he, he compiled most of them and some other people contributed to them. But uh, so, so Solomon was, First uh, King tells us, uh, Baba has a lot about him, but he was considered to be the, the wisest man. He had prayed for wisdom and God granted it to him. He was, he was actually famous for his wisdom. Now, today, uh, what we like to do is find our finest athletes or our best entertainers and put them in front of the TV and stick a microphone in front of them and let them share with us their insights they have gained from running or throwing a ball or singing and hear what they have to say about 
social policy or foreign affairs or you know, you name it, raising children. For some reason, I don't know what it is. We think because they're famous, we need to hear what they have to say about things that they don't know any more about than you do, but we like to listen to what they say. Solomon was actually famous for his wisdom. We, we didn't assume he was wise because he was famous like we do now. He was actually fam- he was He was known throughout the world as the wisest guy, and people would travel and come to him. So we're going to, he uh, actually, in Kings, it says he has like, he had like 3,000 Proverbs. And uh, the book of Proverbs itself uh, is a compilation of about 513 of those. So we're going to do a few things this morning. I want to start out at a really uh, high level. uh, And there's a video we're about to show. It's, uh, I'll, I'll do a quick advertisement here. You've seen some of them here, but it's called The Bible Project. They're free on YouTube. It's not something we pay a subscription to, and they're excellent. If you're, like, looking at a book or a section of the Bible, uh, the Bible Project, I haven't seen all of them, so I can't endorse them all, but all of them I have seen I thought were really solid and and a lot more interesting to listen to for the next eight minutes than me uh, to get kind of an overview of the book of Proverbs, where it came from. Uh, and then I want to narrow this picture just like a funnel. I want to narrow it down a little bit and give you some of my perspectives of the book overall and some smattering of some of my favorite verses. And then we're going to narrow it down to a verse and a word in that verse uh, by the time we're done. So uh, let's, uh, let's watch the video together. The book of Proverbs. The word proverb typically refers to a short, clever saying that offers some kind of wisdom, and this book has a lot of those. But they're almost all in the center section of the book, chapters 10 to 29. But there is way more going on in the book of Proverbs, especially at the beginning, chapters 1 through 9, and the conclusion, chapters 30 and 31. The book's been designed with an introduction, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and it first of all links this book to King Solomon. Now remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon had asked God for wisdom to lead Israel well. And so Solomon became known as the wisest man in the ancient world. And we're told in 1 Kings chapter 4 that he wrote thousands of proverbs and poems and collected knowledge about plants and animals. So Solomon was like the fountainhead of Israel's wisdom literature. So while not all the material in this book is written by him personally, he is where Israel's wisdom tradition began. The introduction says that by reading this book, you too can gain wisdom. Now wisdom for most of us means knowledge, but the Hebrew word chokhmah means much more than just mental activity. It refers to action also. So think skill or applied knowledge. This is why back in the book of Exodus, chapter 31, it was artists and craftsmen in Israel who were said to have chokhmah. So the purpose of this book is to help you develop a set of practical skills for living well in God's world. And this gets linked with another key idea in the introduction, the fear of the Lord. Now fear here is not about terror. It's about a healthy sense of reverence and awe for God and about my place in the universe. It's a moral mindset that recognizes I am not God and that I don't get to make up my own definitions of good and evil and right and wrong. Rather, I need to humble myself before God and embrace God's definition of right and wrong, even when that's inconvenient for me. 
Now, this introduction leads us into the first main section of the book, chapters 1 through 9, which also doesn't contain short one-liner proverbs. Rather, what we find here are 10 speeches from a father to a son about how the son should listen to wisdom and cultivate the fear of the Lord and live accordingly, which means a life of virtue and integrity and generosity, all of which lead to success and peace. The father warns his son also about folly and evil and stupid decisions that will breed selfishness and pride, all leading to ruin and shame. And so the son should make the pursuit of wisdom and the fear of the Lord his highest goal in life. And this way of thinking, it forms the moral logic of this entire book. Now, these speeches from the Father also clue us into what biblical wisdom literature is and how it's different from other parts of the Bible. These books explore how to live well in God's world, but wisdom is not the same as law, like what Moses gave Israel at Mount Sinai. And it's not the same as prophecy, divine speech to God's people. Rather, wisdom literature has the accumulated insight of God's people through the generations about how to live in a way that honors God and others. And so, through the book of Proverbs now, these human words about wisdom have been put together as God's word and wisdom to his people. Which connects to the other thing you find in chapters 1 through 9. There are four poems from Lady Wisdom. Here, wisdom has been poetically personified as a woman who calls out to humanity to pay attention and to seek her. Wisdom says that she is woven into the fabric of the universe. And so wherever you see people making wise decisions, they are relying on her. So you see someone being generous or having sexual integrity or upholding justice. They are drawing on wisdom. These Lady Wisdom poems, they're a creative, poetic way of exploring this idea that we live in God's moral universe and that goodness and justice are objective realities that we ignore to our own peril. And so fearing the Lord, living wisely, it's living along the grain of the universe. Now together, these two sets of speeches from the Father and Lady Wisdom, they make a powerful claim about this book, that you're not simply reading good advice. You're reading God's own invitation to learn wisdom from previous generations. And so in the next section of the book, chapters 10 through 29, we find hundreds of ancient proverbs, and they apply wisdom and the fear of the Lord to every life topic you could imagine. Family, work, neighborhood, friendship, sex, marriage, money, anger, forgiveness, alcohol, debt, everything. And these are all filtered through the value system of Proverbs 1 through 9. Now these Proverbs, they're all pretty short. They're easy to memorize. And actually this section of the book is meant to become a reference work that you return to time and time again throughout the years, which raises some important issues in learning how to read these Proverbs. First of all, Proverbs are by nature about probabilities. So you fear the Lord and you make wise, good choices things will likely go well for you. And if you don't fear the Lord, you're foolish, your life will likely not go so well. Now, that is all often true, but not always. Which leads to the next point, that Proverbs are not promises. They're not formulas for success. So, some Proverbs, for example. The fear of the Lord prolongs your life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Or, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. So yes, fearing God, being a moral person, will most likely lead to a better, longer life. And raising your kids in a stable, loving home does set them up well. But there are no guarantees. 
Lots of things can and often do go wrong in our world. And so lastly, Proverbs by nature focus on the general rule but not the exceptions, which are many. And the wisdom books actually aren't ignorant of that. The exceptions are what the other wisdom books, Job and Ecclesiastes, are all about. And together these acknowledge that life is too complex for simple formulas, which is why we need all of the wisdom books together to get the bigger picture. This all leads to the final section of the book, two large collections of poems. First, poems from a man named Agur, who begins by acknowledging his own ignorance and folly and his great need for God's wisdom. And then Agur discovers that divine wisdom has been given to him in the scriptures, which teach him how to live well. And so Agur is put before us as like a model reader of the book of Proverbs, somebody who's always open to hearing God's wisdom through the scriptures. The final poems are connected to a man named Lemuel. He's a non-Israelite king, and he passes on the wisdom that was given to him by his mom. It's guidance for being a wise and just leader. And then the final poem is an acrostic or an alphabet poem where each line begins with a new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the entire poem is about the woman of noble character. It depicts a woman who lives according to the wisdom of Proverbs and stands like a model of someone who takes God's wisdom and then translates it into practical decisions in everyday life, at work or at home, in her family and in her community. So the book opened with words from a father to a son about listening to Lady Wisdom, and so now the book closes by offering the words of a mother to her son about a woman who lives wisely. The book of Proverbs is for every person in every season of life. It's a guide for living wisely and well in God's good world. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. So that's the, that's the drone view, right? That's the big picture view. Uh, I thought that was a really well done video and good, good summary. So uh, we'll sp spend a couple more minutes talking about the book and then we'll start to look at some of the verses in it. Uh, one, one, um, just a couple of suggestions about the book. There's 31 chapters. Uh, it's a great read. Uh, it's, it's an easy read. Uh, it's not, you know, you, know you, you don't have to stop and find out who's who and what's what. Uh, and if you're uh, at a point like you're maybe out of the practice of reading your Bible on a regular basis, 31 chapter, 31 days or fewer in a month, it's a great, just pick the day of the month and pick up right, right there in Proverbs and read your way through it. It um, also, one of the things I felt found helpful in the book of Proverbs is uh, just going through and underlining my favorites. And, I, and I, I've identified a favorite verse in each of the 31 chapters. Uh, but there's some there's a really great ones in there. I'm going to share a few of my favorites with you, and you, you may have your own. I noticed I did that years ago, and I went back through the read read the uh, read the book again, kind of in preparation for today. And I and I didn't look at what I had, you know, noted as favorites years ago. And I had almost the same ones. There were a few years ago that I that refer, talked about younger man. I like the ones now about the gray hair and all that. You know, it's like gray hair rocks. It's not that's not an exact quote, but that's what it means. Uh, so, so the, uh, but the, another thing uh, that I, that I've found helpful in there is, that, you know, as you identify the themes, uh, many of which were just noted, um, just to uh, note in the margin, you know, those themes. So, I, I, if if something had to do with love or marriage, I'd put a little heart out in the margin. If it had to do with money, I'd put a little dollar sign in the margin. If it had to do with relationships, I'd put a little stick figure, you know, in the margin, and. Uh, and, you know, kind of help 
trace your way through. You go back and look at the book again. Uh, it, it's kind of a neat way to, to see it, you know, organized in the way that you processed it. Um, so so uh, uh, let's look at some. I'll show you some of those. I'm, I got five categories of these. Uh, Barb, if you go to that chart, we'll, we'll look at them. So, so on, uh, on family, uh, I'm not going to read these to you. You can see them. They're short. Uh, you read them yourself. And, uh, but, the, but the first one, is, I mean, the book is basically you need to listen to your dad and you need to respect your mom, right? Uh, uh, you'll need to <laughs> be able to identify a, a, a woman of noble character when you see one or become a woman of noble character. And uh, Proverbs 31 is great for that. Um, and you need to bring up your kids right. Uh, that that's a uh, that's a verse we could spend a lot of time on. It's sometimes read differently in English than what the original intent was, and a lot of parents heap a lot of guilt on themselves when their kids make a bad decision. Uh, but that's that's not exactly the the uh, intent of that verse. But it is a good it is a good reminder of the importance that a a parent plays in, in the role of their child. The next uh, heading was uh, money. There are lots of things in Proverbs about money, about earning it, about saving it, about borrowing it, uh, about uh, how, how to look at it, uh, you, know, you know, like the caution around overemphasizing it. So the first one there, uh, basically, I take it as like, don't be a couch potato, right? Uh, the next one is, uh, it's better to be poor and blameless, blameless than to be a rich pervert. <laughs> okay, there are more thing, There are things in life more important than money. Um, and the the third one I'm going to read. It's actually uh, we when we think of biblical precepts about how we should look at money, we usually think about the love of money is the root of all evil. That's that's the go-to verse for me. But this is a really good one. It's a little less common, but I I, I like it a lot. It says uh, Proverbs 38 and 9 says, "Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches." but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you, disown God, and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and still, and so dishonor the name of my God. Isn't that a great thought? Uh, the next heading is uh, relationships. And uh, this one uh, is, uh, tells us to be gentle in our speech and not to stir up anger. Uh, 27.17, I just love this verse. This, is, uh, this verse reminds us that we uh, need to choose who we're going to spend our time with uh, because we influence them and they influence us. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. My, uh, my grandmother, when I was a kid, gave me a plaque that was in my room, and uh, it, it had a saying on it that says, Choose your friends wisely, you become who they are. And uh, I think it's a, uh, that verse is a really a great reminder and a great encouragement. I, I, I'm so thankful that there's a lot of iron in this room that has sharpened me and, and vice versa through the years. Uh, and, the, and the last one uh, is, is about our enemies. Jesus referred to this in telling us how to treat our enemies, right? We give them, we feed them and we give them uh, drinks and we heap burning coals on their head uh, when, when we do that. And then the, the next heading is uh, about making plans. Uh, I chose a little arrow, you know, it's kind of the moving forward sort of thing to, uh, to represent that. And there's a lot in the Proverbs about that. Um, the first one here is about doing due diligence and getting advice before we, uh, before we make plans. The second one is a reminder, even when you do make plans, uh, that you still don't control tomorrow. 
sometimes we feel in control, sometimes we don't feel in control. The fact of the matter is, we aren't, and we never have been. <laughs> and uh, it's a good reminder of that. Uh, and, and the last one there, uh, ultimately it's God purposes, God's purposes that prevail. And then the last heading, uh, is, these are just things, I have a little smiley face in the margin of my Bible. I just think they're funny. Uh, there's several of them, and they're just like f- worded really frankly. And uh, I don't know if they were intended to be funny, but they are to me. Like, even a fool is thought to be wise when he keep, keeps silent and discerning when he holds his tongue. Isn't <laughs> that great? <laughs> I've used that at work in meetings before. Never think she, oh, look how smart he is. He's not saying anything. <laughs> Uh, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. That's vivid. <laughs> uh, if a, I love this one. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. <laughs> Are any of you not morning people? <laughs> and do you live with a morning person? <laughs> Can you identify with this verse? You, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, I want to focus now in from that cross-section of the book and focus in on a verse and and, uh, primarily a word within the verse. So uh, the verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And uh, and I'll read it for you. Trust in the Lord, blah, 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 blah. That's not what it says. But if we're not careful, this is a verse we've heard all our life, and that's what we hear, okay? So I'm going to start again, and I'm going to ask you, even though you may have memorized this as a child, or if you're hearing it for the first time, uh, try to read it like you're hearing it for the first time. Uh, there's, there's a, it's a rich phrase. I, I, I view it as, uh, I don't know if I have a favorite verse, but if I did, this might be it. And one of the things I like about this verse and several, several others, I, I'm convinced, uh, maybe everybody's not this way, maybe I'm just a little more hard-headed than most, but I've probably learned about you know, four or five things and, in my life and I just keep relearning them over and over again. And, and, and uh, that's not all bad. I, I, part of it is like relearning it because your circumstances change. I remember making the decision about uh, going to work in Houston when I was single. That was fun. I just went and did it, you know. And, and uh, then I remember making a decision a little later about going to take a job in South Carolina when I was engaged. That was hard. I was impacting more people, you know, more concentric circles were affected. And then I made another move later in life, and I was married, and I had two children. And so, you know, life changes, and you may be dealing with the same concept in Scripture, like the issue of trust or obedience, but the stakes change, the circumstances change. And even though you, you know it, you, get, you know, we, we got to internalize it in a different way again. So I'm, I'm just challenging you, you know, as we're looking at this again, even if it's extremely familiar to you, I probably ask you, probably many of you could quote this right now without looking at it, but just, uh, just, let's just take a real close look. So, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight or some translations say will direct your paths. So, what I'd like to do is um, just kind of bore down uh, in, in detail on this. If you only take one word away, uh, let it be this one word, trust. Uh, everybody say that with me. Uh, and what does that say? Trust in the Lord. That's one of those little clever 
What does this say? Trust in the Lord. So if you take one thing away, one word, let it be trust. If you take one concept, let it be trust in the Lord. So let's, let's, uh, I'm going to break the, I'm going to break the word uh, or the verse down into phrases and let's look at each one individually. So the first one is uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Um, so the, the word trust, uh, if you have the Amplified Bible, it says to rely confidently. I think we under, kind of, I mean, we understand what trust means. It's uh, pretty much synonymous with faith in the Bible. We have faith, you know, we trust in things we have faith in. Uh, and it, it, uh, Hebrews defines faith as the, is having confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Uh, now, one might argue that that is the definition of being naive, right? <laughs> um, I would argue that if uh, someone believes that our belief in God, you know, something we can't see or, you know, our hanging on to hope that's not tangible is naive, that we should be focused on things that are tangible in the, in the, in the, in the uh, world around us, uh, I would argue that it takes a lot more faith to believe that all this just popped into existence. I mean, it, defi- it defies the laws of thermodynamics, right? Not, not to get too, too nerdy. Uh, I know nerds. I'm not one, but I do know nerds. And, and uh, it's, it doesn't make sense uh, that it's, this all just created, was, came out of nothing. So whichever way you believe, you're, you've got faith. And uh, so the question is, uh, in that big scheme, what are you going to put your faith in? The question is, in our smaller day-to-day decisions, what are we going to put our faith in? We're putting it in something. It may be in the Lord. It may be in somebody else. It may be in the security of a job. It may be in ourselves, our ability, or it may be in, well, that's how things always have been. Therefore, they will continue to be that way, and we get comfortable. But you're putting your faith in, in something um, so, I, I, uh, I just want to explore the, the, the word trust for a minute a little bit more. I, I'm about halfway through a book uh, on the topic of trust, and it's, it's written in a, for a business context. It's talking about, and it's about people-to-people trust relationships and how the lack of it is very disruptive, and when trust exists, a lot of things can happen uh, more easily, like Decisions happen a lot more easily when people have established trust with each other. And the book contends that there are two things that, um, that, that cause us to trust someone. One is their character. That's pretty obvious, right? You know, somebody's going to do what they say, that they're reliable uh, and honest. And the other is their competence. Uh, and and uh, that may seem less important, but I'll, I'll put it to, this way. Aaron, I've known you a while. I trust you. Uh, I would let you do you know, a lot of things. I'd let you drive my car. I'd give you the keys to my house. If I needed brain surgery, uh, probably not. Nothing personal, but there's a competence issue that, uh, w- that both of those things come into play in, when we trust someone. Or you might be a, a great uh, at working on a car, but I know you're going to charge me twice what, I, what you should, so maybe you have the competence, but you like the character. And those, those, it's the combination of those two that enable us to trust. Uh, the other thing that the, the book contends is that our view of someone's, uh, someone else's uh, character is based on their behavior. And, but we tend to judge our own character by our intent. 
It's like, but I meant to take out the trash. It's like, you know, at least partial credit, right? I meant to do it, but I didn't. So it's, you know, we, we see what other people do, but we know what we intend to do, and we sort of give ourselves a break. Well, let me ask you this. Who, more than anyone, is more competent than the Lord? Who is more, uh, who has a higher character than our God? Who has a better intent for our lives than the Lord? And who has demonstrated by his behavior uh, that he's worthy of our trust? Um, that there, there is no one. Uh, so, it, uh, you know, it's just another, I don't know, it's another lens of looking at this very familiar Concept, but I, th- I thought a helpful one for me to to just think, you know, this God that we serve and this God that we trust being worthy of our trust. Uh, we just sang the Revelation song a little while. He is worthy, and uh, so that's that's why we trust Him. It's not blind trust. It's trust in a in a rock in a fortress. Um, so the ne- the next uh, part of this is trust with all your heart. Uh, the, this is not the muscle. This is the heart the innermost being that we have, uh, we focus on heart so much as I do, as I like to focus on the word all. Uh, what percent is all? Do the math. 100. <laughs> so let me, let me, I'm going to try something, uh, a little experiment. Let's take uh, the married men on this half of the room, and you guys do something for me this week. Sometime during the week, in the right moment, when it's just you and your wife, um, and the moment's right, like you're not in trouble. In between the times you get in trouble this week, just find, find a little short piece of time in there and tell your wife, uh, honey, I love you with all my heart. Okay, and then this half of the room, I want you to do the same thing, and I want you to say this, honey, I love you with roughly 75, maybe 80% of my heart. <laughs> Okay, and then what we'll do is we'll get back together and you let me know how that worked out, okay? We'll compare notes. Uh, the, the directive here is trust with all your heart. Um, that's a big deal. That's, that's challenging. I'll, I'll, I'll let you soak on that. I, 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 can't, I can't know your heart. I hardly know mine, you know, but, but I know sometimes it's, it's not always 100%, right? It's often not 100%, and it creeps in. Uh, so the, the next uh, line of this is, uh, do not lean on your own understanding. Um, have any control freaks that you'll admit to being control freaks? Without, don't point at anybody. Just, uh, here's my, uh, my favorite. I've never done a knock-knock joke in public, but I'm going to try it. Uh, so this is my favorite uh, knock-knock joke. Uh, knock-knock. Control freak. Now you say control freak who? So together with those jokes. So y'all, y'all can think about that later if you can get it. Uh, but the, the uh, when we, I heard someone just laughed. That's awesome. Uh, so leaning not on our own understanding is, uh, our understanding is, you know, it's our knowledge, it's our insight, it's our experience, it's our opinion, uh, it's our assumptions. Uh, we often lean on that. I, I can't, I, I, if you're leaning on something, like, you know, put your weight into it, and then it, and it's not stable, it's, it's kind of comical, especially if somebody gets hurt. That's one of the things I just say, it's, it's, uh, 
it's uh, what's it saying? Yeah, it's funny until yeah, it's it's funny until someone gets hurt. Then it's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> that's another one of the guy sayings I didn't I didn't use. But yeah, when you're leaning into something, you find it's not stable. I mean, you fall when you're when you're really trusting it. Yeah, I mean, you fall big. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what can happen to us, leaning on our own understanding. It, there's a lot of problems with our own understanding. One is it's, it's complete. It's incomplete, rather. It's limited. We don't know what the other person's thinking. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, and we get too reliant on ourselves. We're, we're missing the big picture. I, I was having a conversation with a friend this week, and, and we recognized that, that we, were, uh, we, we were dealing with a decision where we had facts and figures on one side weighing us in one direction, and on the other side, everything else was intangible. Like we couldn't put a number to it, but we knew that it's the stuff on that side that was really important in the decision. And that, that's sometimes the problem with leaning on our understanding is we just can't, we can't see what we can't see. We don't know what we don't know, and uh, it's you know, one more reason to trust. This is not a naive trust. You know, the same Proverbs t- tell us to get advice and to do diligence. Uh, it's not to ignore the fact that God gave you a brain. It's not to become reliant on it and, and lean uh, completely into that. Um, the next section is in all your ways. Again, all is how many percent? <laughs> 100% of your ways. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't know what ways might encompass. It sounds like everything to me. You're... Your job, your hobbies, your relationships, your entertainment, uh, whatever you do, uh, acknowledge him. Uh, let, me, let me tell you some things I don't like and you probably don't like too. I don't like to go to the grocery store and check out my groceries and the person doing it has never looked at me because they're having a conversation with the, with the person bagging the groceries. Or go someplace and you do business with somebody and they're on the phone talking to somebody else and they never acknowledge you, right? Never say hello. Uh, I don't like, uh, I didn't like raising my hand in class and the teacher never, never you know, it's like, you know, not getting acknowledged is frustrating, right? Especially that when they ask the one question you know the answer to and you don't get called on. It's like, uh, and then the, there's uh, not getting acknowledged when somebody talks over you, you're talking and they just talk over you. That's, that's frustrating, right? What about, um, what about, here's one, they acknowledge you but in a very narrow dimension. Uh, some of you have big brothers and sisters, uh, and, and someone says, oh, uh, you must be Kennedy's little sister. And that's all they want to know about you, right? And, they, and it's as if they know you just because they know whose little sister or little brother you are. That's really dismissive because there's a lot more to you than just whose brother you are. Or, what, or maybe it's just, oh, you, you do this job. And they, and they stereotype you because of that. You know, it just really limits the acknowledgement of who you really are. Um, or, or here's one, <laughs> so many of you experience, like they'll acknowledge you, you know, uh, in one setting, and then they're with a different friend group, and all of a sudden you don't exist, right? Those things are really frustrating. Let me ask you this. Uh, <laughs> do we do that to God, who asks us to acknowledge him in all things? Do we fail to say, just hello. Uh, do we and, and recognize that he's in the room with us, or do, you know when we're having we're we're, we're uh, absorbed in something else, or do we um, 
Do we, uh, like he's trying to talk to us, he's trying to get our attention, and he just can't get it? Uh, do we uh, sometimes uh, acknowledge, maybe we acknowledge him, but maybe just one little dimension of him, of who he is. Maybe like the God who answers prayers, or the God we need that help from in this financial situation. We acknowledge it like a fraction of who he is, and in doing so, I think maybe offend <laughs> the character of how, how, great, how great he is and what else he is that we fail to acknowledge. Or maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we acknowledge him here and with family or in a different social group. Not, not, not so much. Um, <clears throat> that's, I'm sorry, that's a hard teaching. I, 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 you know, as I was internalizing this, I, you know, I'm not here to make you feel guilty. It's just, I just started thinking about the, you know, what it really means to acknowledge him in all your ways and how much we, how much we probably fall short of that. Uh, so the good news is you can do things about that. You can say, good morning, Lord. You can, you know, it's, it's not like we are permanently that way. We have the opportunity to change that. So uh, maybe something to, to take away and, and think about. Um, and the last section is, and he will make your path straight. Uh, I, and again, I don't, I don't know, you know how far to take the metaphor of paths or even what was intended was really when it was originally written. I do know this. A path is, take, is what takes you from where you are to where you will be. Okay? We agree that at least a path is that. And uh, it would be nice. It's nice when our paths are uh, smoother and straighter and obstacles are removed. Uh, again, I don't think the verse means... Uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding, and you'll never have a problem again. It doesn't say that. Uh, but it is, as a, in the context of what it is as a proverb, uh, those are the things that we can do to give God the opportunity to do what he can do and that we can't do. Uh, my dad uh, used to tell me, you know, if you're, like, if, you're, if, if you're drilling something or using a handsaw, I mean, like a, a skill saw, and you hear it grinding down, or you see it kind of tearing. But he would say, "Let the tool do the work." Uh, some some of you, you know, use power tools. You you know that you kind of know that saying. Let the tool do its job. Well, that's what we need to do a lot of times. We need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our understanding, and let God do His work. Uh, the things only He can do that we can't. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna wrap things up here with. Uh, Another topic that relates a lot to trust and letting God do his work. Um, I, I have the, uh, uh, the opportunity to give you an update on what is going on in our church and the, uh, in the pastor search. I thought about praying and then doing this, but it's, I mean, this is like part of the message, right? <laughs> this is a time for us individually, collectively, to do Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So, uh, but I'm going to tell you uh, just, just an update, some of the mechanics, some of the things behind the scenes. If you've heard some of this, good. Uh, our, our point of view is we, we can't over-communicate. We're trying to be as transparent as possible, uh, let you know what's going on, what's going on. We can't, you know, we're not going to share names or anything that uh, would be compromising to someone else who's in a ministry someplace else that wouldn't be appropriate. But uh, so we've been, uh, the elders have been meeting uh, basically every week. I think we took a week off at Christmas and spring break, but we've been meeting every week since, uh, since December, since we found out Pat was uh, going to Houston. 
And I would say, in general, it's progressing really, really well uh, in every way that I know to, to gauge that. So if you've been praying that we would have be like-minded, uh, we have been. If you've been praying that, that uh, God would give us wisdom, we have to treat that prayer like James does and says, when you pray for wisdom, just accept that God's going to provide it. And so we're accepting that, that he is. We've had good cooperation. Our, uh, you know, the tone of the discussions. Uh, every, we've been, we had near 100% attendance at every meeting. Uh, some by Zoom occasionally when when there were limitations. And uh, it, and I think we had one meeting where someone uh, brought a shotgun to the meeting. But I learned later it's because they had borrowed it from somebody else. So that was the only scare we had. But every everything else has gone really. Jason, I don't know who that was. It, yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I'm looking at you when I say that, but uh, but uh, so our, our immediate uh, focus in December was not on pastor search. Our immediate focus was we had a very limited amount of time that we still had Pat here. We didn't want to bug him when he was gone when he knew he needed to make a clean separation. So we worked as hard as we can to understand all the things he was doing, make sure those had been dispersed among either the elders or the staff. And the staff has done a remarkable job uh, picking up those those pieces and keeping them going and, and working well with us. Pat was also, the, the our pastor was the, is the only person who attends staff meetings and elder meetings. So the absence of that person in both of those meetings meant we had to draw connect some communication lines and how we were gonna do things and, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, handle things when they came up in the church. Uh, we also had speakers to arrange and uh, things that we were doing. We wanted to keep active, you know, the cornerstone, the crossovers, the Lord's Supper, community groups, um, and, and other events. And they've gone really well. They've gone well because people have stepped up and, and helped. So thank you for that and encourage you to keep doing that. Um, December, January, we, we developed a, uh, a search process. So, you know, we wrote just about a two-page document and to answer a lot of the questions we knew we would have about this, this process going forward, like how are we going to make decisions, uh, how are we going to find applicant, applicants, uh, and when we do, how are we going to screen them, how are we going to, uh, what, what are we looking for? What does the Bible say we should be looking for? Um, we, we've never done this. You know, we don't have a here's what here's how to go find a pastor document. So we we were just starting with with a blank sheet of paper and, and other resources we had. And uh, what do uh, and, and we we are a church. We're also an employer. So you have to have documents, you know, to hire. Here's a job description, some things like that. And uh, uh, and the other the other thing uh, this this process calls our uh, encourages us to look into is there anything is there like unfinished business that we can just take care of so that the new pastor first week on the job doesn't have you know some administrative you know stuff to take care of and, and they can focus on ministry so that process addresses all of that stuff and that's what we've been that's what we've been using as our checklist if you will uh working through um so we have uh um we, we set up a communication uh, system, a, a place on our website where we can gather resumes and referrals. Uh, that's been active. It's working well. We, um, we agreed on a time period that we would collect resumes and referrals. Uh, and meanwhile, we had a lot to do as, as we were allowing that time to go by. Now, what we didn't do is start evaluating those one by one. Uh, we did, what, we, what we wanted to avoid and other again, this is from some collected wisdom from other churches, is, is uh, one person getting attached to uh, 
I got, you know, someone they heard one time or another person attached to a resume they saw or another person heard this about so-and-so and then we're all over the map in terms of, and now we're trying to, you know, arm wrestle when, when what we really want to do is get aligned first on what we're looking for and how we want to go about it. So while we were letting these, uh, these resumes and references comes in, come in, we worked on uh, identifying what, uh, what we understand the biblical qualifications to be. We spent a lot of time on that. Uh, we also supplemented that with things we thought were important for this church for this time. Uh, we have we have a personality of the church. We have a setting, you know, that that that's uh, you know some specific things that we felt like were important. Um, and then we uh, we developed some documents just to get through the mechanics of hiring a job description. We worked closely with the staff on that, and as well as a number of these things. An application. We put together a profile of the church so we understand who we are. You know, our giving, our our tenants, and how we do week, you know, midweek stuff, and and what our ministries are. Um, and and we had some other administrative things we needed. Uh, we worked with uh, a, a lawyer and some of our uh, nonprofit organization documents and paperwork. We, we had to make some revisions to to get some things straightened out. Again, so somebody's first week on the job, they didn't have to deal with that. So the, the bylaws, the constitution, the statement of faith, the, uh, uh, all that's, uh, those kind of things. Most of that's on the, uh, the website and those have been edited and probably updated by now. I hadn't checked with Jesse, but I think they got posted this week. So that, all that stuff's been happening behind the scene. Not very spiritual, but it's all stuff that needed to happen. So just want you to know what we've been doing. Uh, and again, I think it's going really well. We are now in the process of narrowing down uh, when we've, we've completed the first step of that um, just this past week. And uh, I will tell you, we have several uh, what I consider to be, you know, really strong looking candidates, experienced people. And uh, so I think we we're not. You know, the, the worst news I could tell you is, well, we had, uh, we're still waiting on our first applicant, you know, <laughs> but that's not where we are. We, we, we have, uh, we had good response and we have, uh, I think, some really strong people to, uh, to consider. So uh, pray, 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 pray. Uh, and I, you know, we can suggest to you what to pray for. It's the Holy Spirit's job to tell you, but uh, I think it'd be helpful if you can uh, pray for the elders there. Eric. Uh, Lang, Jason Roy, R.J. Batuang, uh, Chatty, um, Davis Turner, Craig Cole, and myself, Chatty Angus. Uh, just pray for, we continue to have wisdom and unity in what we do. Pray for our staff. Uh, pray for that new pastor and pray for the church. They're going to have to disengage from something. We don't, <laughs> we don't want somebody who's eager to... <laughs> Eager to, eager to move on to the next job. We want somebody who's solid in the ministry where they are, and that's going to be changed for somebody else, just like the change that we're experiencing. So be empathetic, I think, in our prayers uh, for, for, that, for that place that's going to be affected by, by this change. Uh, and just continue to pray for this church, and God will keep using us to do his business. So uh, that's, that's it. That's all you get. Uh, so I'm going to pray for us and... Uh, Y'all enjoy the, the weather today. I think it goes from 50 to, I don't know, 104. It's, it's going to be warm by the end of the day. So get out there before it gets hot. Father, thank you so much for, for the day. Thank you, for, thank you that you are worthy of our attention, our praise, our uh, acknowledgement, our trust. And uh, Father, I pray you would, you'd help us to do a better job of, of those things. 
I thank you for the word and and your word and the way that even though it may be thousands of years old, it's uh, relevant today as much as it ever was. And I pray that you would help us to do our part in internalizing it and and living lives that that please you. And uh, we thank you for your your presence here with us and for uh, just giving us the the privilege of, of worshiping together in this place with these people. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.